The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning once again, everybody. I'm glad you're here. My name is Alan, and I wanted to uh, address something that we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Last Sunday, I invited you to hand in your Save the Tower or Save the Money cards uh, so that we could get your opinion on how to proceed, just to kind of catch everyone up in terms of what, what I'm referring to, etc. We are building a new uh, facility on the corner of 48th and Fry, and the cost of that building building has increased over the past six months, and so we have to decide, are we going to proceed with building the beautiful glass box uh, in the sky and take on more debt or raise that money on the front end, or are we going to save the money and not build that tower? And so we invited you to give us your opinion and respond uh, on that. We got about 500 cards last Sunday back from you in order to get information on that, and you were pretty much split down the middle. Thanks a lot. Uh, really helpful. Uh, no, there, there was a slight leaning, just really slight, towards saving the money rather than saving the tower. And that, in addition to a number of other factors, has led us to make that decision that we are going, we're not going to build the tower, we're going to save that money and then, um, and then walk that out. So I just want to let you know that's what we're doing, that's how we're moving forward. First of all, for those of you who, who selected last week, saved the tower, and then checked on the box that said you're willing to increase your full potential giving from two years to three years in order to make that happen, I just want to say thanks that once again your generosity has surfaced and some of you uh, in doing that, it's a significant offering towards uh, uh, this building. And so just want to say thanks. And uh, as promised, we are going to shred those cards. And so we're going to stick with the two-year plan and, uh, and not assume that you're doing uh, the three-year plan because that's how we set this up. Um, I, so so that's, I wanted to let you know that that's how that is uh, proceeding. This week, after we got all the information, we made a decision as a board on Sunday night. I wanted to go and look at the cards, and so I just glanced at each of the, the 500 cards, and there was a concern that stirred up for me that I wanted to address today, because there were a few of you, a few of, maybe there are mostly nine o'clock people, but there were a few people who were upset with the, with the tower and with the process. A few people who had written notes on there about upset that we were asking for money, even though we weren't really asking for money, we were asking for your opinion, and um, uh, that we would even consider building such a, uh, a, a prayer tower, or that we would consider taking on more debt. And so I read through those, and, and uh, I just want to address us together openly here. Um, the, the whole, I want you to see our heart behind this, is we wanted to invite you into the decision because this is 
our church. And so we wanted to make this decision together. Let's not make this issue or any other issue become a divisive issue among us. Let's not allow any wedge to come in between us that'll just, that'll just break us down and it'll weaken us. And so let's, we are together on this. We're together on this decision. And I'm excited about moving forward with, with where we are. In fact, through a lot of the conversations and things that I've heard back from a number of you, there is, there is a lot of unity in this idea of us being a light on this corner. And so may, maybe this can be even more uh, unifying for us that there's going to be an estimated 100,000 cars that are going to drive by that uh, intersection every day. And so the idea of us having a symbol of light that represents the light of Christ in a, in a dark, broken world, there's some unity for us in saying, yeah, I, I like that. So hopefully, we are going to still be able to build some kind of vertical structure that would be seen by those driving by, something that's vertical. We heard this from a number of you, that will have some kind of light on it. Hopefully, we're going to move in that direction. But more importantly than that, more powerfully than that, You and I are the light. You and I, the way we act toward one another, the way we act toward our new neighbors in this area, that's where the powerful light is going to happen. That's where the absolute, you know, the reputation for, uh, you know, for, for God and for his plan here in this community will shine brightly. And so that's why we're excited about Horizon School that they are, they continue to be thrilled about us coming there, and and our general contractors worked really hard to make sure they can use the parking lot even while we're building and shifting the parking lot around so that they can use it, and they're thrilled with that, and the the new condos that are there and the new assisted living that is being built there, they're thrilled that we're coming, and the build ministry continues to serve the the workers on the site on a weekly basis as a way of just saying, we, we are so thankful and thrilled that you're doing it. That's a light. That's not divisive. That's something I'm, I'm confident all of us can agree on in saying, that's what we want to continue to do together. Sound good? Okay, great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So on that end, would you, let's join together in a word of prayer as we uh, launch into this message here today. Father, I'm so thankful that um, as stressed out as I get in this journey, that we can just remember this is your church. This is your community. This is your heart. This is your love for this place. And so we want to trust you. We are so thankful for the leaders and the generosity of our church that that, uh, we want to make a difference. We want to be a light in this area. So God, I pray that you would unify us powerfully over this next year as we make this transition, that we would uh, bring honor and glory to you through our decisions, through our communication, the way we love on one another, and the way we love on our new community. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this 
this Sunday is what we call Launch Sunday. And for the past few weeks, we've been providing these green booklets with a list of role groups and classes that are available. At the end of our time today, uh, the leaders of those groups are going to gather in the lobby and stand by each of the tables representing the groups that they're leading, and you'll have an opportunity to meet them, etc. Now, for those of you who have already made the decision in terms of groups and classes that you are going to bolt through the lobby and get out of here as quickly as possible, not making eye contact with anybody. For those of you who have already made that decision, let me just ask you lovingly to consider stopping by, to consider stopping by one of the tables, just one table, one little conversation. And here's a suggestion for you, if, if it's all brand new to you. Just out the door, just to the right, is a table called Discover Mountain Park. And you don't have to start there, but that is a great place to start because there'll be other new people, and that's a great place to kind of get a sense of what's happening here. And it's only five weeks. It's a bargain. Because some of the other groups are 12 weeks long, so I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the cheapest one. And so, so I encourage you to, to do that. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just really believe that we all have a deep, embedded desire to connect deeply with one another. Even if the process of doing that is uncomfortable or unnatural or unfamiliar, that we have a deep desire to connect with one another. And so that's why I just encourage you to just, you know, in about 20, 25 minutes or so, we're going to dismiss you to doing that and just give it a shot. Give it a shot. It'll be great. Until then, we're going to look at this week's foundational verse. This year, we're identifying 40 foundational passages of Scripture to help us understand the overall story. This week's uh, two verses, they come from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Once again, these words are written by Paul, uh, who is uh, one of the leaders of the, of the church, of the, uh, of the new church in the New Testament. Paul is writing from prison. And he's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And he's helping him out. He's mentoring him. This is at a time when the, the Christians in that area are being persecuted by Roman authorities. And Emperor um, uh, Nero is just doing disastrous things to Christians. It's one of the reasons that Paul is in, is in prison himself. And so he's writing to Timothy and he's saying, hang on to the story that you know. Protect the truth, protect what you know, protect the story. And so he says in verses 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Those are our verses here for today. Paul uses this phrase, all scripture is God-breathed. Other translations, if you have a Bible in front of you or you're working with a digital Bible, it may say inspired by God. The reason it would be translated uh, that way is that there is no word for God-breathed. It makes sense that there's no word for that. We're never going to find that word elsewhere in the New Testament. We're never going to find that word elsewhere in any other Greek writing because Paul took the word God and the word breathed and pushed them together. He made the word up. 
That's why there's no translation for it. Because it's just Paul made the word up. It's like the word ginormous. You just say, it's so big, it's, it's, it's gigantic and enormous, and you just squeeze them together and make something out of it. Now that's actually, that's actually an official word, ginormous, because we've embraced it so much. So Paul takes these two words, and he pushes them together. It is God-breathed. There's something powerful about this concept of God breathing on something. And we have seen this multiple times throughout Scripture. The first time we see the breath of God is in Genesis chapter 2, in the story of creation, that from the dust of the earth, it says that God breathes on Adam, and the breath of life (sighs) comes into him, and he comes alive. Later on in the Old Testament, as part of the exile story, there's this prophet named Ezekiel, And he paints this amazing picture in Ezekiel chapter 37 about a valley of dry bones. And in this vision, in this picture, it says that God breathes on the dry bones and the bones start moving around, starting to assemble. And the sinews start to reconnect the bones and the muscles gather over in the skin. I mean, it's just this amazing, awesome picture, clankety, clankety, clank, these bones coming together that, that God breathes on them. And the word in Hebrew is ruah, that God ruah onto the bones and they come alive. Now, we have the American phrase hoorah, which sounds very similar. Is it, is it just a coincidence? I don't think so. There's something very cool about that, about that Hebrew word, ruah. God breathes onto the bones and they come alive. And in the New Testament, in John chapter 20, after Jesus resurrects from the dead and he is with the disciples, it says that he breathes on the disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit. There's something beautiful that happens when God breathes. Something comes alive. Adam comes to life. The dry bones come to life. The disciples come to new life, having received the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had an experience in your life where you felt like you have have felt the breath of God? Have you ever had an experience in your life where where something just, just comes alive? And you might even say that it was a supernatural experience where something just just surfaces and comes alive in a way that perhaps you had never seen before. Maybe you had a presentation at school or at work where part of that process led to the point where that presentation came alive and you believe that God breathed on that, on that situation. Maybe in the moment, the presentation goes so well and things go, go so supernaturally well, you couldn't have explained it, you were It happened way better than you even prepared. And there was this moment where, man, I just felt alive. Have you ever had a situation like that? Have you ever ever had a situation where you've got two options and it's a huge decision and you've done all your lists and you've weighed everything out and you've you've worked on the pros and cons, etc. And then at some point, one of those options just comes to life. Just one of those options just, wait a minute, I thought they were equal, but now at this point, it's so clear which direction we need to go, that something just comes alive. If you're more of an artist, 
Have you ever had a creative experience where, where you've just felt the breath of God through that experience? Whether you were writing a book or you were writing a song or you were painting a picture and there was some, there was some God's breath experience in there where you just experienced something beyond what you could explain. Have you ever had a situation like that? Every year, this might be sobering for you. It's, it's a little bit <laughs> for me. Every year, I do this over 40 times. Every year. And so I am not for a second naive enough to think that every one of these is worth your time. I, I get that. I mean, I totally get that. I think there are some Sundays when this experience of gathering and talking about the Word of God and having a connection, there are some Sundays where... Where, where there's the breath of God that comes in and God wants to speak to somebody through this experience here. God wants to speak to a group of people. God wants to speak perhaps even to our whole community and something terrific happens. But I know that there are some other Sundays where instead of feeling like the breath of God, like instead of feeling like God breathed, some Sundays I feel like I more spit up a little bit, and that's kind of all that happens. And, and maybe you kind of, you know, you, you're as aware of those Sundays as I am. But, but, I mean, there are times in life where we just kind of, okay, wait a minute, there's something extra that happens there. And it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, take your favorite band or your favorite artist, your favorite artist. Not every song that they record is fabulous. Not every song that they touch, no, 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 they don't have the Midas touch. I mean, what is the best-selling album of all time? <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Somebody said, you know, somebody said it. It's a thriller. The best-selling album of all time. Do you know what the last track is on the best-selling album of all time? The last song on the best-selling album of all time. It's this. Okay, 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 stop it, stop. Now, I had somebody in the first service say, that's my favorite Michael Jackson song. Okay, well, they're wrong, because uh, the, nobody knows this song. It's the ninth track. It's the least known on there. We got, we, there's at some point, the producer says, we got to get this thing copied. We got to get this thing moving on because we got Beat It, we got Billie Jean, we got PYT, we got Thriller, we got lots of videos to start working on. This is going to be great. Keep your dancing going. Everything's going to be fine. We got to get moving. Just throw whatever song you want on as that, not, as that ninth song. I mean, there's at some point where we got to keep moving on. No artist has everything perfectly put together, but there is, there's moments in their experiences of creativity, etc., where some just get touched by God. Some are God-breathed and then others are, are just not. And part of our journey is we want to experience God's breath. A number of weeks ago, one of our foundation verses was Romans chapter 12. And uh, on that weekend, I, that's where I had the, the four signs up here on the front. It said A, B, C, and D. D represented the will of God. This is most of us 
long for this. We seek this in life. What is the will of God for my life? For tomorrow, for my profession, for my relationships? I want to know this. And then we talked about this process where, where we're offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know what God's will is. And this is what we're heading towards. We're motivated to do these things because we want to know what the will of God is. We want to know which parts of our lives God is breathing on because we want to know which ones are going to come to life. Whether you've had a a God's breath moment in your life or not, like I've described, if you can relate to that or you can't, my guess is most of us want those moments. Most of us want that clarity. Most of us want to experience God's breath, to have things in our life come alive, to have a relationship come alive, to have a, a marriage that experiences the breath of God and something beautifully supernatural comes, happens, and it, and it just comes alive. Most of us want that in some, if not many, areas of our lives. So here's something that's incredible. This is incredible. If we want that, if we want to experience God's breath, if we want to experience these things that come alive, and we want assurance of that, all Scripture is God-breathed. You get that? We want it, and in here, every word, all 66 books, all nearly 1,200 chapters, every part of this is God-breathed. That we don't have to wander through this and wonder if, if some are and some aren't. Every word in here is God-breathed. Not just the 40 foundational passages of Scripture, not just the New Testament, not just the verses that we want to hang up in our homes that, that make us feel good, that we, that we you know, love for whatever reasons. Every word is God-breathed. And so uh, the, 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 the question that most of us ask, most of us who are followers of Christ ask, a, a, a consistent question with regard to the Word of God is, okay, so what does it mean? That's what we ask and we dig into it. We say, okay, what does it mean? What do those words mean? What is the literary context of what's happening there? What is the historical context? Because I want to understand what's going on here. And that's an important journey. That's a that's a natural journey for us to say. It's what we do. We go after this. It's why we have so many Bible studies. It's why we can hear a sermon about a chapter or a story. We can hear 10 different sermons in our life over the course of our lives over about one story in Scripture, and yet there's still more to be discovered in there because it's alive. And so we continue to dig in. What does it mean? What does it mean in? What does it mean? But there's a question that we naturally ask, whether we're aware of it or not, there's a question that we have to ask before we say, what does it mean? And that question is, does it matter? Does it really matter what it means? In other words, is this the Word of God? Is this God-breathed? Okay, this, it's a book. I, there's, there's millions of other books out there. It, where did this one come from? Why is this? this in a different category than other books? Where did it come from? If a stranger gave you a chocolate chip cookie, what's the first thing you would ask? It's 
first thing I would ask. Where did it come from? I want to know where this cookie came from. Did it come out of a sealed plastic bag from uh, Jason's Deli? I'm probably going to enjoy that one. Did it come off the floor? Did you reach down and pick it up? Hey, you want this cookie? Did it come scraped out of your right pocket? Before I dive into the succulent melting chocolate chips and fully experience the chocolate chip cookie, before I dive into its full meaning, I want to know where it came from. Otherwise, I'm going to be kind of leery and all that. I want to know where did it come from. And when it comes to Scripture, I've always, for years, I've always broken it down in terms of the Old Testament and the New Testament in terms of, in terms of origin. Because for me, the Old Testament is easy. The Old Testament, which is the first two-thirds of, 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 of our Christian Bible, that's the Hebrew Scriptures. It's the, it's the foundation of the Jewish story, the Jewish faith. That's what Paul is referring to when he says, all Scripture is God-breathed. And the most profound evidence towards the authenticity of the Old Testament is Jesus himself. Jesus knew the Old Testament scrolls. He quoted from them many times. He endorsed them. If the Old Testament was one book, was a separate book, it could say at the top of the front cover, it could say, I read it, I loved it, I highly recommend it, Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, it would have that kind of endorsement. All right, I'm probably going to want to check that one out. The New Testament is different. It's, 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 it's a little bit more tricky because when Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed, he's not talking about the New Testament because there was no such thing at that time. When he wrote it, there was no such thing as a gathered collection of books called the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't officially identified until 300 years after the story that takes place after these letters were written, 300 years. It's in the fourth century that the New Testament officially became identified. Now, it had been unofficially identified long before that as the followers of Christ were redistributing and re rewriting and, and sending out and protecting books throughout that journey. I believe, and this is a faith statement, I believe God protected his word through that process. I believe God absolutely protected the process, protected his word, so that we could have the scripture that we have set before us. That's, that's what God did. That's this gift that God gave to us. He protected his word for us. So that's the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's reasonable then to say, what about other writings? What about in the, in the, in the 8th century in the book of Quran? What about the Book of Mormon? What about the Harry Potter series? I'm not sure what, you might, what else you might want to add to that list, but what about other things that have been incredible uh, writings throughout human history? Where do they fit? Are, are they, are they, are they God-breathed? Are they, are they Scripture? And, and once again, I say, I believe, this is a faith statement, that God has protected the canon of Scripture. God has protected the body of Scripture that we embrace as the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, the very last chapter in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 22, near the very end of that chapter, John offers a very harsh warning to anyone who 
adds or takes away from this book. Now, I believe that Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is not just talking about the Old Testament, that there was a supernatural thing happening, and that Paul's words here are talking about all of Scripture. Similarly, I don't think John in Revelation chapter 22 is just talking about the book of Revelation. I think there's a supernatural thing happening there. Once again, he didn't know there was a New Testament. Once again, I think he is referring to all of Scripture. And so there's, there's this journey. In fact, I think there is a, a supernatural switch that gets flipped in, in every believer at some point in our lives in terms of how we respond to Scripture. There's this switch that gets flipped from where does it come from or why does this matter? Why does this body of writings matter? There's this switch that gets flipped from where does it come from to what does it mean? That at some point in our journey, the Holy Spirit assures us this is true. This is me. This is the story. You don't have to walk out the rest of your days wrestling, balancing, what about this, what about this. Let's spend the rest of our time trying to figure out what it means. It doesn't mean that we shut our brains off. It's a matter of saying, you know what, I'm going to embrace it. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance. I can embrace this. I can stake my life on this. I can stake my family's lives on this. This is God-breathed. I believe there are other things that God breathes on, movements, leaders, writings, songs. But what we can walk away with assurance on is that all of this, every word, is God-breathed. And we have to decide on a number of other things, whether they are truly from God. We don't have to wrestle with that on this issue. So, the application this morning is very simple and perhaps very predictable. Read it. Read it. I mean, if, it, once again, if you want to experience God's breath, if you want to experience things that come to, lie, to life, then read this. Dive into this. Spend some time with this. Why do we want to read it? Because it's going to impact our lives. It's going to shape how we live life. Paul says here in verse 17, he says, Why do we read it? So that the servant of God, you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We read it so that we carry it with us and it impacts how we do our lives, how we live out our roles. So for those of you who have never consistently read Scripture, just because you've gone to church for 30 years doesn't mean you've ever read Scripture consistently. If you've never consistently read, read Scripture then perhaps start with once a week. Just start somewhere. Say, every Monday morning, I'm going to give it 15 minutes. Well, that's better than what you were doing before. Just, just get, if you read consistently two or, three, two or three times a week, try to bump that up because we want to engage with Scripture on a daily basis. On a daily basis. If this is all new for you, then I would recommend you go to the Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of those four versions of the story of Jesus are different. If you 
want to see how the story of Jesus is connected with the Old Testament, see how the whole story is put together, I would recommend the book of Matthew. If you want something that is short, concise, and more to the point, I recommend the book of Mark. If you want something that is more precise and has more details, Luke is a physician, so I'd recommend the book of Luke. If you want something that is more poetic and beautifully written, I would recommend the book of John, which has a very different feel than the other three. So I would, I would encourage you to, to, to dive into it. And don't treat it like a high school required reading list. You know what I mean? I now have a high schooler. And so I, I, and I remember back in high school and just, okay, I got to get this done. Here's what I want to read and here's what I'm told to read. And so don't treat it like your high school required reading where, okay, 15 minutes, Monday morning, I'll get rid of this. Oh, this is so hard. Don't treat it like that. And understand that just kind of when you open it up, understand what this is. This is a book like no other. This is a gift from God. This is God's breath. It's alive. And it offers incredible to us. Don't, don't read it as just kind of, it's, not, it's in a category of its own. Let's engage with this and experience the amazing gift from God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you once again for your word. I confess that I have seasons where, where I, I practice out what I just said, and I totally get it, and I'm daily engaged with you in that way. And then I have seasons where I, I, I think I can get by without that kind of rhythm. Father, thank you for the ongoing invitation for me to experience your breath. Would you ruah into my life, into our lives we want to experience more of that. We're desperate for that, Father. I pray that you would help us enjoy this experience and not feel like it's another thing added to the list. God, help, 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 it, help it to come alive and then for us to see how, how, how we become alive as a result. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.